Hello and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host, and I'm going to start the episode today by talking about how I got my first job. And it was really thanks to a woman I did not know. But after I got the job, her and her husband were tremendous blessings for me. So here's the story. I graduated college, it was the early 90s, and as you know, we were going through a bit of a recession then. I couldn't get a teaching job. I had applied to several. I made it to the final for several, and it was just falling through. I applied to public schools. I applied to private schools. Some of the private schools, I did get off job offers, but the salaries were just way too low, and I wasn't going to be able to live away from home on the salary that I would be making. I had gone to college with several kids and who became friends who attended this private Christian school in Trumbull, Connecticut called Christian Heritage School. So I put a resume there in, I think, 1990 or 91. And in May of 1992, I received a phone call from the principal, a man named Steve Taylor. And he asked if I was still interested in a position because a history position had opened up. And I said, sure. So he sent me down the application. Now, again, like I said, it's been two years. I've been doing a lot of substitute teaching. I wanted my own classroom. I knew a lot of good things about this school, thanks to my friends from college. I lived down the block from the post office, so we got our mail pretty early in the morning. I wasn't subbing that day, and there it was, the application. Remember, this long before the days of email. So I took the application out, and I started filling it out feverishly quick. By 10 o'clock, it was done. And then I hopped in my car from New Jersey and drove the two hours up to Fairfield County, Connecticut. And again, this is the days before the internet. So I just had a trusty old map with me. I had the address of the school, and I just went. So I drive up there, I park in the parking lot, I go out to the main office, said that I was there to hand deliver my application to Mr. Taylor, the principal of the upper school. So they showed me how to get there. And as I was walking through the halls, it just so happened that a girl that I was good friends with was a teacher there. I knew she was a teacher there. And I just happened to run into her and we talked. I told her what I was about to do. She wished me good luck. And I went to the principal's office. And there was his secretary, a woman named Mrs. Slifka. She politely asked, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm here to see Mr. Taylor. I want to hand deliver my application to him. So I gave her the application. She's looking it over and she said, well, Mr. Taylor's in a meeting right now. Uh, He probably won't be back for about an hour and a half. I said, oh, okay. Um... Well, thank you. I'll just just make sure he gets it. And I'm walking out. She asked me, how long did it take you to get up here from New Jersey? And I said, about two hours. And then she said, you didn't drive up here for two hours just to drop off an application without seeing the principal. I'll tell you what. If you can find something to do for the next hour and a half, come on back. And I will make sure that 
you can meet with Mr. Taylor where you can give this application to him in person. Now, she didn't need to say anything. She could have easily just taken the application and let me go on my way. But that act of kindness in sharing that advice with me, I firmly believe is what helped set me apart from the other applicants and helped me to get that job. Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host, and I hope you enjoyed that little story about how I secured my first job. I mean, someday I'll discuss the interview that I had with the job that I currently, currently hold. But it actually, I'm not talking about how to make yourself stand out to get a job. Actually, that's not the reason I shared the Mrs. Slipka story. So keep on listening. You'll find out why. It, it may have, really the story doesn't make sense with what the topic of this episode is about. Because this episode is about the idea of individual freedom within communities, something that schools have to struggle with all the time. And I'm going to bring up a current event. You'll probably know about it. It's the girl who was denied her diploma for dancing on stage during her graduation. We're going to talk a little bit about this because Mrs. Slifka not just, didn't just give me great advice to allow me to get that job where I had seven wonderful years at Christian Heritage School in Trumbull, Connecticut, but she just was a woman full of wisdom. And her husband was great too. Mr. S the Slifkas, if you worked at Christian Heritage School during that time, you know that working with those two people, um, she was actually on the original committee to build that school. And he, Mr. Slifka, was a longtime public school teacher who became the assistant principal in his retirement at my school, Christian Heritage School, and they were just a lovely couple. Um, really enjoyed my time and always respected them so much. They truly did help a young man who was first time, first time having a job and living away from home. I lived away from home in college, but it was the first time. Here I am, two hours away from home. My parents were phone calls away. Not an easy trip up to help, and just having these two as almost like surrogate parents and. Um, just, they're just wonderful people. But I'm glad you're listening to the Parent-Teacher Conference. If you like what you hear, I'd love for you to share it out with your friends. Tell them to go to Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, 
I think I'm on Amazon. Tell them to look for the Parent Teacher Conference Podcast. You'll see the guy with the coffee mug up in his face. Tell them to click on that. Share the link of this episode if you found it on Facebook or Twitter. Through email, you can send it out. Uh, wherever you found this, if you found it on Spotify, there's a way you can copy the link and email it out to friends or text it to friends. You know, let's broaden the audience out. Again, I've always enjoyed getting emails from the, from people listening. Always enjoyed that. Um, some of my listeners are actually friends of mine, so it's always fun. Sometimes I actually get a phone call or a text even about some of these episodes. I enjoy doing it. It allows me to spew my thoughts on things, and I hope you enjoy listening. But if you want to discuss some things, best place to do that is by emailing me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P is in parent, T is in teacher, C is in conference, podcast411, all one word, at gmail.com. So let's talk about the story that received a lot of news. It was on June 9th, during the graduation ceremony of the Philadelphia High School for Girls, a young lady named Hafsa Abdurrahman, when her name was called, started doing a little gritty dance across the stage. When she got to, I believe, the assistant principal, the assistant principal did not hand her a diploma. Of course, people were outraged. How dare they take away this rite of passage? Just, I mean, didn't take away anything. The girl does admit that she did receive a diploma, but it was embarrassing. Everybody saw that she did not receive one of those little scrolls like everybody else. Well, not everybody else. There was, I believe there were two other girls who did not receive the little scroll. And again, it, it was it's probably just a placekeeper, right? The actual diploma, they would with their name on it, they would get later. Another girl, I believe, like flipped her hair and gave like a hand signal, which caused somebody to clap. Of course, there's this an anger at the people in power, the adults in power. How dare you? This is a time of celebration. You took this away from this girl. What happened to her freedom of expression? How dare you? Now, Kind of the kind of making you feel like the adults in charge here just wanted to take away any sense of happiness over this graduation ceremony. Here are some comments that I found from people that, that the Daily Beast posted from people on different social media sites. Why can't she be excited? They humiliated her in front of the entire school. Another commentator said. That's insane and so embarrassing, shaking my head. I'm sorry you all had to experience that. Hopefully she'll get her diploma, but the sad thing is she'll never forget this moment. Others claim that the principal abused her power and called for her removal. Um, the family of Miss Abdurrahman said that her cries were piercing after the ceremony. She was humiliated because graduates' pictures are taken when they receive their diploma. However, there, since there's no diploma, there was no picture. Okay, I'm going to read to you from the Daily Beast. This is right out of their paragraph. This, ex this will explain to you the before situation, because a lot of us come into it, right? We see the scene of a young girl, happy she graduated, doing the gritty across the stage, and then the principal taking the diploma back and throwing it back in a basket. But here is what we also need to know. And this is, again, right from the Daily Beast article. 
Philadelphia High School for the Girls, a 175-year-old institution with a lengthy list of notable alumni, has strict guidelines and customs its students must follow. According to the school's handbook, graduating students must wear, quote, an all-white knee-length or longer dress with a cap sleeve, end quote, during the ceremony. Students can also wear a white pantsuit and white shoes, must be closed toe with no more than a three-inch heel. Traditionally, the graduates also carry flowers. Any student who violates the graduation guidelines may be kept from participating in the ceremony. They said there, there are no specific directions regarding graduation behavior in the handbook. But even the grandmother said that students' families were well aware that they were not allowed to cheer or clap when students walked across the stage. Quote, this is the grandmother talking, quote, this is their tradition that you can't say anything, retold the Daily Beast. They all have to wear white. You have to be very solemn. It was nothing joyous about it. It was like we were at a funeral procession, a very quiet one. Okay, so what I see right here is full admission that everyone knew that you may feel it's a funeral procession, but this that is how the school has done it. This is a school tradition. That was the rules. You, In fact, the grandmother, who was very angry with the school for what they did to her granddaughter, and understandably so, correct? It's her granddaughter. She's going to stick up for her granddaughter. But she even admits that they knew the rules. I mean, you can't even say ignorance here, and I know, or use the line, ignorance is no excuse. There was no ignorance. They knew the rules. You can't clap. You can't do anything out of the ordinary. It is supposed to be a solemn affair. And this brings me back to Mrs. Slifka. As you can imagine, I te taught at a Christian school. There were a lot of rules in terms of everything. Not as many as you would think. There are some Christian schools that are a lot heavier with their rules. I always say we, we didn't have a uniform. They had a dress code. And even at times, the dress code got lax. And this brings me to Mrs. Slifka. Like I said earlier, Mrs. Slifka was the upper school principal's secretary. And she was the registrar as well. She also was one of the people on the committee. See, at that point... It, that the school had been operating, I believe, for like 17 years. So she was one of the, the people on the committee that helped develop this school. I And I believe at one point, before she started working there, she was on the board of directors as well. So we're talking about someone who is going to be strict to, I know what Christian Heritage School is all about. She's going to be one of them. You would think she would be unbending. But here is what she would always say. This is always, her and her wisdom. She had great wisdom. She, she would say this, like gum, like they had rules, and some of the schools have these rules, like gum chewing, no gum chewing. The, okay, the dress code. You couldn't wear a, the boys and girls could wear polo shirts or button-up shirts. But you couldn't have a crest or a company logo on it. So you couldn't wear a Nike swoosh uh, knit polo shirt. Even though the color was right, you couldn't do that. It had to be absent of any marking such as that. And often, 
it wasn't worth the ha- like with a lot of things with teachers. She's like, it's not worth the hassle of getting into it that the kids wearing a Nike swoosh. I have, I have other things to kind of be concerned about in my classroom. And Mrs. Slifko would always say this. If you're not going to enforce the rule, what's the point of the rule? They just don't have the rule. She was actually very compromising, where she would say, okay, it's one thing to have a rule. you got to know why the rule is in place. But if you're not going to enforce the rule, then why have the rule? So if you're not going to enforce gum chewing, why are you saying there's no gum chewing? Why do you say there's no gum chewing in the first place? You know, we always give the excuse, well, kids pick it, you know, stick it underneath desks. But you know what? They stick it underneath desks any, no matter what. If the, if the teacher is strict or not, they're still sticking the gum underneath the desk because they're lazy and they don't want to get up. The kids who do that are just lazy, don't want to get up, and they pop it up underneath the desk to hide it or something. I don't know. I, I never was a big gum chore. But that's a great point. If the rule isn't worth enforcing, then why do you have the rule? You're, in your non-action, you're saying the rule is unnecessary. But in the situation we're talking about with the graduation, it was it's obvious that the school wants to continue this tradition of a solemn graduation ceremony. Really, the time to fight this would have been before the ceremony, saying we don't want a solemn graduation ceremony. We want it to be more joyous and more joyful. But that didn't take place. And I don't think the young lady, Miss Abdurrahman, was trying to make a point. I don't think she did the gritty across the stage as a form of protest against a solemn ceremony. I really don't. But if the school didn't hold to the rule, what would have happened next? There, you know, if you allow to get it, you know, you have a rule. Again, like Mrs. Slifka said, if you're not going to enforce the rule, then why have the rule? Well, you have the rule. You want a solemn, traditional graduation ceremony. You don't want any of the clapping, any of the dancing, the out of control. You want it solemn. So you have to enforce the rule. If not, there's no point having the rule. For example, the senior class at the Christian school I taught at went away on a senior class trip every year. And again, being 18-year-old boys and girls, they knew there were certain rules they couldn't break. And they're underage, so they couldn't drink, they couldn't smoke. Very typical things that you would see in high school. Again, it's a Christian school, but that's not that, you know, drinking is against the law. Now, one of the issues was this, that this group went on a cruise and they were in international waters. So thus, so the drinking age didn't exist. I, I believe that was the issue. There was no drinking age. Well, guess what? A couple of kids got a hold of some beer, some other types of alcohol. And originally, the, the, it was they were going to, you know, what was always told you when I went on the senior class trip as a chaperone, that if you broke rules like that, you wouldn't graduate. You wouldn't go on the stage in graduation ceremony. But they decided to change it up. They said, you know what? You're just going to be suspended. But then they told the teachers, but you can't give them zeros for work that were due 
or tests. That was the, the rule, that if you were suspended and you had a homework assignment, a test, even like a big project due, and it was within the time of your suspension, you would receive a zero. You can argue that out if you want, if that was too much or whatever. But that was, again, that was the rule. They Well, they said that, that part of the suspension isn't going to count. So I remember this one kid coming in mad because they had this big English paper due. He didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't suspended. And he still had to do the English paper on time. The suspension was like on a Thursday or Friday. And he's like, this just isn't fair. I had to get my English paper done today. The kids who got suspended got four extra days to get it done, including another weekend. They're not getting any deduction for being late, even though they're suspended for for drinking alcohol on the cruise. You know what, Mr. Cullen? I wish I would have drank alcohol because I would have gained something rather than lose something. That's one of the reasons why you have to enforce the rules as well, is for the people who feel like chumps. Now, if you're saying, well, they could have expressed themselves. No, they, they knew the rules of the community, right? We have to sacrifice some, you know, that's the whole idea of living in a community and a school is a community. That you sacrifice some of yourself in order to go there. A school called the Philadelphia High School of, for Girls, it seems like it's an elite school. It says it has notable alumni. So yes, you sacrifice, even to the graduation ceremony, you have to realize you're gonna sacrifice a bit of self to identify as being a member of this community. And I have been in those situations where you're told, please no clapping until all the graduates get their diplomas and we'll clap for everybody. You know what the reason, one of the reasons is for that is they don't want the graduation ceremony going forever. So here's the situation. Your name is James Jameson. Your son, Johnny Jameson, is going to graduate. And you don't care about the rules. You and your whole family brought everybody in. It's like 20 of you there, and you have bullhorns. You're going to go nuts. And you don't care that the principal just said, please withhold your applause till every graduate has received their diploma, right? So you get to hear Johnny Jameson, and you go nuts. You break the rules. What are they going to do to you? They're not going to kick you out. Yeah! And all of a sudden, another kid walks across the stage, and you see a family looking at you, pissed, because they didn't hear Jill Jones, because it was drowned out by you being concerned about having your your kid knows that you're excited what did you do what did you do other than fact that the other family didn't get to hear their kid's name called yes things like that do happen they don't sometimes they don't wait they just keep going and again that's the idea of your it's very narcissistic you're thinking of the self rather than the community are there times that you should take a stand. Of course there's times you should take a stand, but a graduation ceremony? 
I mean, that that's not oppressive. I'm sorry. It's not oppressive to be, say to you, we're keeping this a solemn event. We want no clapping. We want no dancing. We want it to be full of decorum. And if you disagree, the fight should have happened beforehand. You know, I was watching The Wedding Singer the other day. Have you ever seen that movie with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore? In the beginning, Adam Sandler's a wedding singer, and he gets stood up at his um, wedding by his fiance. So his fiance comes over the night of their wedding, which didn't take place, to kind of explain why she wasn't there. And Adam Sandler's name is Robbie in it. She goes, you know, I was in love with Robbie, who was like the rock singer, not Robbie the wedding singer. I couldn't see myself married to a wedding singer. And, and Adam Sandler goes, things you could have told me yesterday. And that's about this graduation. If he didn't like the solemn thing, the fight was beforehand. Now, not everybody was fully against what the principal did and withholding this diploma. The Philadelphia Inquirer ran a story about the alumni. Here are some of the things they said. Um, this is from the article. The Alumni Association, in a statement, said its members fully support Principal Lisa Messi. Quote, she is a compassionate leader and outspoken advocate for our little sisters. We are fortunate to have her shepherding our alma mater through incredibly difficult years, through citywide budget cuts, policy changes, and a global pandemic that magnified every obstacle the faculty administration and our dear little sisters have faced, end quote. The Alumni Association called the characterization of the situation, quote, headline grabbing and clickbait, end quote, and said the focus on Abdul Rahman and others who did not receive their diploma, quote, does not reflect in any way the overall tone and tenor of the day. At the onset and previously shared with all students, okay, here's, here's, again, here's the thing. At the onset, before the ceremony, this was shared with the students, the families, everybody in attendance. Principal Messi clearly communicated the guidelines and regulations for the ceremony with an added dose of warmth and humor. Now, the alumni did say, again, the idea, okay, you have a rule. This is interesting, right? The alumni does say in this statement, quote, they were, they, I'm sorry, that they were, quote, open and available to work with the school community as they continue to examine and evolve our traditions. There's the idea of if you have a rule, you enforce the rule. If you're not going to enforce the rule, change the rule, right? And that's what the alumni are saying. Okay, if you don't want a solemn ceremony, that's a discussion we can have. We should You should have that discussion. But because the principal enforce the rules that were told beforehand doesn't make her the bad person here. And we're not saying that the young lady's a bad person. Like I said, I don't think she was out to prove a point. But if you didn't want people to dance or people to clap and you're going to withhold a diploma if you did, you got to do it or it's an empty threat. Now, some of you might say, oh, so it's a threat. It's, come on. No society can live without rules. No community can live without rules. This community has rules on its graduations. Hey, if you don't like those rules, just like going to a Christian school. If a parent didn't like all the rules that Christian heritage had, then why are you sending your kid there? If you didn't like all this rule, it's a, very, it's a thing about tradition and keeping up with traditions. If you don't like that, why'd you send your kid there? Oh, because you want to get something out of them. Well, part of getting something out of a thing like a Christian school, or in this case, this all-girl school, is to be part of the community. And being part of the community 
is embracing the traditions they have. Or if you don't like it, even like the alumni said, express your concerns, but do it beforehand, not after it occurred. In this article in the Inquirer, I'm going to end with this. Barbara Dowdall, a 1964 graduate of the school, an active member of the Alumni Association, said that the principal's instructions, quote, were given over and over and over again, and they were clear. This is not just devotion to the rules, it's devotion to your classmates. Okay, the idea is, this isn't just about rules, it's all your classmates and all their people, all their parents and family members and friends who are in attendance have all agreed not to clap or cheer and you have agreed not to make a spectacle of yourself for the good of the whole so it's a solemn ceremony for everybody okay so i agree with her so she says this is not just devotion to the rules it's devotion to your classmates okay this is continuing with mrs dowdall if the principal hadn't responded right then, would we have had 40 people doing dances? And you want to know something? You better believe it. Maybe not 40, but more. If she got her diploma, you know what people are going to start saying? She just danced, they clapped, nothing happened. All right, Susie! And then it would just devolve into something that it was never intended to be. And some people are going to be upset. They're like, you know what? When I graduated from here, was, I want the quorum. That's, you know, the white dresses, the pomp and circumstance, the solemnness. That's that's what I want. That's what I agreed to. What about my view? And what I thought was going to happen here today. Why is it about what you wanted to happen? And that's really the point. That if you want a community to work... At times, you're going to need to sacrifice your wants for the good of the whole. And it's a tremendous balance, too. We don't want to take away so much of a child's freedom to express themselves. That, I mean, that, that would just clog up the creative process. You want them to have outlets to address their concerns about the graduation ceremony. But once it starts rolling, you got to go with the rules that were put in place beforehand. And it sounds like it was pretty clear what the rules were. Now, some people might have said, you know, the principal could have practiced prosecutorial discretion here and could have said, you know what, that's so minor. I'm, I'm going to let it get away and just hope nothing else major happens. She could have done that. But I think... Because the ceremony is supposed to be so solemn, she actually, it, that actually forced her hand that she couldn't be. And I have seen situ like a situation I talked about with the kids drinking. What will happen is this. Okay, so she does a little gritty and that's, what happens if a kid starts like doing the worm across the stage and doing, you know, kind of dancing around more demonstrative than the young lady who just did the gritty, which was very not undemonstrative, to be honest with you. So what happens if a kid stepped, another girl goes beyond what she did, and then she, that's, that's too much. You know what will happen? 
those parents are going to be complaining, well, you let the first girl do the gritty. Why don't you let my daughter do her worm across the stage and get up and do a backflip? What's the difference? It's just a dance is a dance. And again, I'll go back to that school where I taught at. That happened as well. A couple of years later, a couple of more kids on the senior trip scored some beer. This time, they were told they couldn't graduate. They were not going to have the honor of walking down the stage and receiving their diploma at all. One parent said, well, that ain't fair. It's not an issue of my kid doing something, you know, my kid did something wrong. But why was my kid punished more harshly than other people's kids from four years ago? That's the reason you need to be consistent. And honestly, I believe a lot of times when people look at schools, which really, really angers me, they come from the, and it's something I talked about in other episodes where it really does come down to your view of where does evil come from? From inside each individual person or from external factors, systems that are set up, etc. Because in the view, if it's the, the view I just said, that evil does not come from within inside of you, then what you see is the child is the innocent party. The child will always be the innocent party. And how dare this school with their structure and their system, that was the evil. It, the kid breaking the rule wasn't the evil. The structure that was placed upon her where she couldn't be herself was the evil. So in that situation, the kids are always going to be right and the adults in the room are always going to be wrong or the school, or the system, or whatever. They're always going to be in the wrong. So what should have happened? Well, at a private school, if you do not like the, the rules and the traditions that they carry on with, it's not your role to go to that school to change things up. Find another school. Start your own. If you can't find one to your liking. But... I don't think you tear down the traditions and the structure that has in place. That's not fair to the people who are also sending their kids to their school for that very reason. They've decided that's a good thing. If you don't think that's a good thing, withdraw your kid. In a public school, if you don't like a rule, talk to the rule. If you have a rule, enforce the rule. Now you're probably thinking, you're sitting here probably thinking that I am the most draconian teacher there is. I must have a lot of classroom rules. I really don't. I hate rules. And I would agree that that girl was just expressing herself and what it was just the gritty. Come on. It, and I, it was very honorable. It was, you know, I, I saw, if you go Google it, you'll see. It's like very minor for her not to get a diploma. I think the rule did or would have prevented people, or actually it did prevent people from expressing the true joy they had of graduating. In my classroom, I only have two rules. I always tell the kids, I have two rules. Respect other people and their property. Do what's expected of you. It's not that hard. I don't want to be, you know, ticky-tacky. At the same time, I want to hold them to those two standards. But the more rules you have... Yeah, it, it kind of stunts creativity. It stunts joy. It makes things very... I agree with all of that. I, I want people to be individuals who they are, not kind of force upon them through putting blocks and barriers 
to make them into, you know, little me's. That's not my goal as a teacher. So I get that part of it. At the same time, I also recognize that we, the school, is a community. What goes on in my classroom, there's different rules that I need, in, or lack of rules even, that I would need in place so my students feel, in a history classroom, they have, they're freer to be creative, to speak their mind, because that's what we talk about, right? We talk about different issues. It's very different than a math room, where you, you want kids to be more focused, quieter, etc. There's You can't say every class should be the same type of rules. You can't do that. Every class is different. Every teacher is different. But at the same time, there needs to be community rules. Walking to the right, not gathering in the halls, in the middle of the hallways, not no running through the halls that are for you. I mean, and just so you know, running through the halls isn't just about the kid's going to slip and fall. Running through the halls is really more about you running through the halls and you don't see another kid and you ram into them and they get hurt. And all they were doing was standing at their locker. But there are times that as individuals, we have to say to ourselves, right now, I have to think of what will benefit the community. And it's a fine line. I, I know it is. But schools are communities with different people people with different backgrounds, different belief systems. And there are times where you have to say, teachers, parents, students, okay, this is okay for us at home, but at school, in order for the community to work, we are going to leave that at home. And I think we need to do a lot more when we even talk about the issues of books and curriculum that are very rampant in our day and age. We have to start thinking like that. There are some books that shouldn't be in the classroom or in the school that we're going to allow at home. At the same time, there are some books that need to be there even though I disagree with that book. But if you're not going to budge for the community why would the person with the opposite view of you feel like they should budge? And I'm going to leave this with the great words of Mrs. Slifka. If you have a rule, enforce the rule. If you're not going to enforce the rule, then why do you have the rule? Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.